Welcome to the Davidson Day Community Podcast. My name is Pete Moore, Head of School at Davidson Day. Each episode, you will meet different members of our supportive and diverse community. You'll hear fascinating stories from parents, board members, alumni, and the wonderful people who work at Davidson Day. We are proud to launch our newest season. In this episode of the Davidson Day Community Podcast, the tables have turned quite a bit. Davidson Day alumni, Aaron Barton and Cooper Ferguson from the class of 2021 actually interviewed me for their podcast, Ordinary Guys and Their Ordinary Thoughts. And we had such a great conversation, we decided to feature it here. We discussed my transition to Davidson Day as head of school, guiding the school through the pandemic and more. Please enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is Aaron Barton speaking, a David's Day alum of the class of 2021. I am um, here doing this episode for the Davidson Day podcast and my own called Ordinary Guys and Their Ordinary Thoughts, started by my co-host, Cooper Ferguson. Cooper, say what's up. How you guys doing? And we are joined today, of course, by our headmaster, Pete Moore. It is such a pleasure to be back with you, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. This is awesome. I've recorded... Geez, 20-odd podcasts I've never been interviewed before, so I'm not normally nervous, but I am this time. Well, don't be nervous, because we're here to, you know, have some really cool conversations about Davidson Day and beyond. So how have you been a leader, like, in the Davidson Day community, and what strengths and weaknesses would you say, like, have come with this leadership opportunity, I guess? I'd say within the last two years. Yeah, in the last two years. Just what we were wondering together is, like, how... um, what leadership strategies do you try to use to balance like, hey, you know, we have these big picture plans. We also have these things we want to get done in the short term. I want to appeal to both people that are both approaches, you know, like how do you go about that? Because that can be stressful sometimes knowing like, well, if I don't or if I try to take care of this, then it might delay some long term plan. But if I focus too much on long term, it might take away this in the short term. Like how do you keep that balance and try to keep everybody, I guess, sane or Every leader wants people to be happy, but that's not always possible. So I guess what approach do you take to try and keep everything balanced? It's a really interesting question, and it's one I've never really been asked before. I think that at the foundation of of everything that I like to do is it's building relationships with people. And as simple as that sounds, like I've been really lucky to work with to work with amazing leaders, and I've met people over time who are very, very successful leaders. And the research now is is sort of bearing out over the last sort of 20 years or so, but like how do you connect with people on a personal level? So when I first started here, I sat down with all employees, even though it was a, like, you know, we we're trying to open school with COVID and just said, hey, where were you born and what led you to this point in your career? What led you to Davidson Day? And I led, learned about all these different stories from people about where they were born, what, like where they went to college, how they met their partner, all these different things. And so it was about developing that sort of like that human connection before sort of like, oh, we work together. And then I asked questions like genuinely, like what advice do you have for me as a new head? And then what ways do you think we should improve the school or what things you want to keep the same. And so now when I see people, like I have, I feel I have that sort of personal connection with them. I need to do that with some other employees that we've hired since then. I've done it with some, but not with all. And I have to, we've, we're hiring new people start of the year. We have to do that with them, but it's about that sort of relationship piece. And so then that what develops, so you develop that relationship and then it develops trust. And so then there's times where you need to be really thinking about the long term. 
like who do we want to be? Where do we want to go? We just went through this strategic planning approach recently and sort of what sort of school do we want to be? What do we do really well? All of this type of thing. And then at the same time is like, what are the skills that we need to be able to execute that? So then suddenly they seem small, seemingly insignificant things, but they sort of add up over time. An example of this is we had our new parent orientation today. We're recording this in early August. And so new people were coming in the building and spaces matter and people notice stuff, right? And so I sent an email to all my colleagues just saying, hey, like to the ones that were going to be involved, imagine your grandparents are coming to dinner, right? And you're like, you moved out on your own for the first time. Your grandparents are coming to dinner. That's how we want the place to look, right? So, you know, I'm out in the, the yesterday afternoon, I'm picking up trash, doing some vacuuming just to clear up some things this morning. Mr. Weehunt's doing the same. Other people are, are helping out and chipping in. And so it meaning that like some people are not going to notice those small little details, right? That there was one of the workers, there's some construction going out the front, left a Gatorade bottle right in the middle there, right? And so some people aren't even going to notice that, but other people are. And so it's sort of just those small attention to detail and small things matter over time. There's a great book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy talks about success is not one big event, right? Like you don't achieve anything by a single event. It's a compounding of thousands hundreds of thousands of, of sort of micro moments. And so that's where, how can we pay attention to those micro moments? And then that will add up eventually to something bigger. And so that's where I would say, so initially it's developing that relationship so people trust that your decision-making, like you care about them. And then it is like, I personally believe that the way that you achieve anything is by small incremental growth. And so I need to show that, right? Like it, I need to pick up trash. I need to do carpool. I need to, like I met with a, a, a really experienced former head yesterday and amazing guy. And I just, when he was here, there was a new employee that had come in and I hadn't met them yet. And so I just introduced myself and greeted them and everything. And we sat down and later in the conversation, he said, I learned a lot about you by the way that you introduce yourself to that person that you took the time, this and that. I was like, I didn't even think about it. But like, for me, I want people to feel welcome and included. So by introducing myself, you know, spending a few minutes, even though I had a visitor coming in it, I feel that, you know, they will feel welcomed and therefore uh, eventually that's going to unlock their, you know, their potential. So there's a few different things there, but mainly it's about the relationship piece. And then it's about sort of what do I believe leads to success? And through all the reading I've done, just my own experiences in life, it's those small moments built up over time. This great book, The Compound Effect, Atomic Habits, all these others that sort of write about this sort of stuff. So then sometimes you have to spend the time, extract yourself from the day-to-day to say, what do we want to achieve in the long term? And then, you know, go about doing it sort of those sort of microscopically small moments and realizing that if you do enough of them, it's going to add up. It's not some massive event that's going to make a big difference in my opinion. No, for sure. I agree. What I'm hearing is um, obviously an individualized approach, which is big because that's, I've heard that from coaches I've talked to, to just people within the last year, just making sure everybody knows your face, knows a little bit of your story makes, you know, kind of what I would go back to what I was talking about earlier with the teachers here. It's like, even if they have this position above you, it's like you all feel like you're on the same level. And the same thing is that humility. I remember seeing you do some of those little things and it's like, it's kind of showing that, hey, you know, while I'm the ultimate leader of this place, I'm also like just still one person on the staff. Like, and of course it's a little bit of leading by example, like, Hey, if I'm going to do these things and that means anybody can too, so then everybody starts doing the little things, they definitely do add up. 
But I remember uh, you, first time you came here, first year, and you came up to me, and I'm like, uh, I'm Mr. Moore. Like, what's your name? And I, you know, we introduced ourselves, and we just talked. It was like, I was kind of taken by surprise a little bit. I thought I'd, like, never, I'd never meet you, like, my senior year. But we, I mean, you always made the effort to come up to me. And you did a great job just, like, making me feel, like, very welcome. And I've, I've been here for, like, what, since seventh grade. So, like, I felt comfortable in my environment. But, like, just, you know, a new face and just, you know, I don't know. I just it felt nice. So I applause on that for you. So you're talking about your plan, and it sounds like you're a pretty good listener. You got really good social skills too, because even you got to talk to tons of people and you know different people all day. What's been the hardest part about instilling your plan into this community, and then kind of like leaving your mark or making it better, or you know stuff like that? So what's been the hardest part about your plan? I guess. Yeah, I think that. The hardest part would be, I mean, there's a few, there's what the first one is just the, what I'm, I feel I'm good at is the relationship piece because I care about people, right? And I'm genuinely interested in other people. Uh, everyone has a story, right? Doesn't matter what age they are. doesn't matter where they're from. Everyone has, is, is unique. And so, and that is sort of my secret source. But then when I started here, it's COVID. Everyone's got a mask on. Parents aren't allowed in the building. I'm not seeing anyone. So the thing that I was good at was sort of taken away. And the other one sort of in terms of the long-term things is that the school has had six heads of school in 10 years. And so that's a lot of turnover and each head has their own their own style and their own approach. And I think that there, for some people, there was like, well, is this guy going to stick around, right? Hey, I believe this is about like the way that we grow and build our school is about connecting, building relationships, like caring about one another, having fun, working on our culture and all of this type of thing, which we've done a ton of work around those things. But then other people like, probably like, how long is this guy going to be here for? And then in a few years time, I have another someone else who's going to say something else. And so that's where I think it took me a while to win some people over in the sense that like, like, is this for real? Or is this just another thing, another leader who's going to come and go? And so I think the distance that was created with COVID was really hard. And then also just the the whiplash people have had because there's been so many sort of heads of school that it's just like, well, should I like, you know, it, it takes a lot to buy into something. And especially if, you know, if you have a coach and, you know, they have a new system and then suddenly they, they leave and you're sort of left going, oh, well, okay, well, that was a great system. I really came here for that person. And now they've left. So there, there are a couple of the challenges. Yeah. To shift a little bit, wanted to touch base on something that might maybe on a good amount of people's minds. And that's a potential for an expansion plan. When we were students, I believe in our sophomore year, Dr. Bauckham, who was headmaster at the time, took us all into the theater, showed us these huge layout plans for everything about the new school, said, you know, projected to have it finished by the year we graduate. What he was telling us was that by the timeline that he had, we would have been the first senior class to graduate and none of us really believed it because there had been rumors for such a long time. We were like, it was still a big thing. It was a milestone. It was like, wow, something's really coming together. And then um, tragically he passed and no, he was an incredible guy, incredible leader. But that I believe, so that property is still there. 
you know, that also could be part of the question. What's do you plan on kind of taking his plan, expanding on it, running with it? Do you plan on putting, you know, coming at it from a new perspective entirely? Like what's your vision for potential expansion to also stick out amongst other schools? You know, we have a lot of within, you know, the close to the border between North and South Carolina area, we have a lot of great private schools between this, I guess, 30-ish mile radius. So um, expansion is more than likely something that could be needed to continue to compete. So yeah, what's, I guess, your plan for that? So we went through the strategic planning process with our board of trustees, and that essentially is looking at the next sort of three to five years of the school and where do we want to go. And so what happened with COVID is it just tipped the world upside down, right? And it gave everyone a chance to sort of reset and say, what do we want to do? Or what do we think we want to win? How are we best going to win as a school? So there's this strategy is out of a book called Playing to Win. It first talks about sort of what's your winning aspiration? Where are you going to play? How are you going to win? What are your core capabilities? And so there's and sort of management structures you need in place in which to win. So we, we stopped and we gathered data from our constituents. We sent out a large survey as part of our accreditation. We did different interviews with people. I'd had informal conversations with people when I first started. And then we're also looking at the reality of where we are and sort of the financial position of the school. And so when when you're talking about sort of expansion, it's you're raising a ton of money, right? So we're a nonprofit and our annual income, it pays for teachers and salaries and benefits and, and sort of teaching the kids and, and things like that. It doesn't pay for large-scale expansion, right? Like if we maybe jacked up our tuition, doubled it or something, right? That might be, you could do that. So the general model is that you, you, you raise money in which to do that. And then Davidson Days is still a relatively new school. So it's 20 started in 99, so 23 years this year. is our 20. And so then I've worked at schools which are 130 years old, 170 years old. And so they just have like this really deep history and they also have this history of philanthropy, right? And so at my previous school, 130 years old, so you we have generations of people who go there. Like grandparents have gone there, parents have got like parents and now grandkids are at the school. And they know that to build a school, you need to raise money, right? You need as part of that as being an alum or being a current member of the school that you give back in able to have those big things happen. And so Davidson Day didn't have a history of fundraising. And so that I think that was one of the things that sort of led into sort of these expansion plans sort of not going through. And so we've tried to reset in many different ways. One of them is to say, hey, what's our three to five year plan? And a three to five year plan, and I'll get into the sort of the second part of your question in a minute is just to be the best at who we are. So our three to five year plan is to focus on sort of a enrollment of around sort of around 500, 500 plus, right, to get to that level. And then in time, hopefully develop facilities that either improve this campus, which we've started to do as you walked in, you see the construction and we've done other things as well. So get this as good as we can do and then look at the other property and then understand people's appetite to give. And so we are really focused now on the, the three to five years out and then improving this facility. Potentially, if we find out it's possible to do, like construct something, like we want to improve our sporting facilities just for an example. So we have the land to potentially do that. But again, we'll need people to donate to give to be able to do that. And so when people say, what are your long-term plans? It's like, I have plans but we have plans collectively, the board, our administrative team, things, the teachers, but it's more like, do we have 
the people willing to give that money to make that happen. And then so if we do, then the sky's the limit. There's very tried and true approaches to how to sort of approach these different things. And so that's what's what we're going through at the moment. We're working with a firm to help us with this sort of decision making. But and then so it could get to a point where we've we're sort of maxing out this building and then we are able to build a facility and we find out there's sort of enough people moving to the area to sort of fill that up. And However, there's also I think there's room in the market from what what I've seen and what I've read, and this is sort of answer the other part of the question. Like, do we need to sort of expand to compete? Well, I don't think so. I think that not necessarily. So, how big's your school? Over twenty thousand. How big's Davidson College? I mean, half those guys are athletes. Yeah, a couple of thousand. Yeah, right. Maybe two thousand. Yeah, two thousand people. Right. So my point is that with colleges, there are multiple options. How big's Tennessee? 24, 25 undergrad, 30, 30 yeah. in total. Yeah, yeah with right. graduates, yeah. And so th- they have everything and they're like these mini cities. But Davidson College, people spend a fortune to, to send their kids there. And they're not just Davidson College. There's liberal arts, small liberal arts colleges everywhere. They charge sixty to 70000 to go there. Like, why do people go to Davidson College? You know, I guess they just like, well, from the kids that I've talked to that go there, they just like the smaller style better. I guess I could have thought of that more, you know, because if you want to just go with a smaller approach long term, you can perfect that and make it into a niche that people of, you know, can get a similar experience that we got. If you continue to capitalize on the things like you were saying with sports teams, as long as those things can expand or in some cases not even expand, just continue on the same trajectory that they're on just to make the most of what we currently have and it could compete just the same way. It just It's just different, kind of what you're saying. You know, when I came here, and I've said this to many people, is that when I came here to interview, so I'm also a parent at the school. I've got an incoming kindergarten child and an incoming seventh grader. Yeah, and so, and you know, what they started in, say, fifth grade in Eaglets. And so we're interviewing, and this is before COVID and everything. So my wife and I are doing the tour. And I'm looking at our high school going, this would be perfect for my, you know, at the time going to fifth grade in four years' time. It'd be perfect. It's You have the Afar project. You have Noel Friedland doing his thing. She can play many different sports. She can be in theater, high academic standard. She can get this great college admissions experience. And then people kept on apologizing for what the school didn't have. Oh, we don't have a large field. We don't have a massive auditorium. And no one was speaking to me about what the school was great at, what our strengths are. And so that's one of the big things that I've done here. So imagine going to Davidson College and then doing the tour of Davidson College and say, you know, like we're really good, but, you know, we don't have a massive stadium. You know, we're really good, but we don't have, imagine the, the resources at your schools haven't been there, right? That they just dwarf um, Davidson College. Like, would they do that? Absolutely not. They would say, you get this individualized attention, you know all your professors, you like you get to be involved in the community, you're not lost. And so there's different strokes for different folks, right? Like there's, there's in nearly every other field, there is competition and there is sort of different. But whereas here in North Carolina, I don't know why, but because it's very different in other markets I've worked at, whether that be in Chicago or San Francisco or Sydney, there seem, there's very different types of independent schools. Whereas here, there seems to be a mindset that 
everyone needs to look the same to be successful. And that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Because in every other area of our lives, there's competition and there's, and so if you're, say you're going to a, like Bailey Middle and it's very big, or you go to half or what, you're like, man, I'm just overwhelmed. I can't get into a soccer team because I'm not like the best player in the area. I can't get into the theater because I don't do that full time. They're like, man, I wish there was an option where I could come and like be involved in everything and love, know my teachers. Like, there is an option. That's us. But we haven't been selling that. So that's where I – that's sort of my step off my soapbox in terms of the sort of just sort of celebrating who we are. That was a great answer. I mean, we are – like, yeah, like now I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, Davidson Day is very unique. We're known for our teachers, of course, but, you know, you got a new, unique experience. Like, not everyone wants this, right? Like, But not everyone wants half. Not every, But other people, it's the best thing for them, right? And so that's where it's more like where do you place yourself in the market, right? Like we have – how many different styles of cars are there, right? Like thousands of different models and this and that and variations and, and whereas – and that's where – and in the other cities I've worked at, that's very common is just to have like a completely different – you know, one is right downtown in the city with no grass, no anything. And people love that downtown experience. Others, it's further out of town and you have the big sort of rolling hills and sort of different strokes for different folks. But if you have those options and you're able to sell that and be very proud of it, I think it's it can be very powerful. Yeah. I was just saying that from a, from a standpoint of like, hey, you know, you can brand yourself as like, hey – if you want to feel like you're not just a small fish in a big pond and you want to be that same size or a, a bigger fish because you're a little bit more confident in a smaller pond, you can gain your confidence up. And I can say like the confidence that I got from Davidson Day didn't leave that now that I went to a school where like I barely see the same people in a, the same day unless I go out of my way to. You know, it's like I take those that same confidence I gain and those same skills I learned with me. Exactly. You know, it doesn't delay you at the next level. Oh, not a, not at all, right? I think, it, and that's where. But how great you've got to have both of those experiences. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about some of the successes thus far within these first couple of years and some of the setbacks as well. So just kind of lightly on this one, just to tap on, just touch on a, a few of what you would say is like what you feel are your biggest successes. I would like to, for you to spend a little bit more time. Um, it doesn't have to be that long or anything, but just on um, areas that you believe you can grow moving forward to build off of what you've been able to get done in the last two years that you've been here. Yeah. So to begin with, I think that the biggest challenge when I first came in clearly was just navigating COVID, right? People were very scared that we had closed school down in March. I then moved here and then sort of opening again was very, very nerve wracking. And so what I felt that we did as a school, not just me individually, was create an environment where people felt that they were as safe as they possibly could be coming to school to work and coming to school to be a student, right? And so we followed the science, we listened to people, we adapted as as things sort of got worse. We made some, we tightened up our protocols as they got better. We, we relaxed them. And I think one of the biggest successes is, yes, we more, we the kids had to wear masks for like a year and a half, but people were in school, right? They were connecting with one another. They were being with each other. They were, they were playing sports. They were going through the college admissions process. Our little ones was sort of learning to read and write and everything. And so the benefits of that. So, and then you have other kids for that 18 months who weren't in school, right? They were sitting in a room by themselves. And I think in time, 
there's PhDs sort of dissertations to be written about sort of the effects of, of that that had on people. So I think our the, one of the biggest successes that we had was just keeping people in school, but also to really doubling down on our school culture and what's it mean to work here and just how special our community was, right? Because a lot of our the beautiful events that we had went away, right? Like they just and with your senior year, those only really came back at the the end of the year when you you had the prom, the senior dinner, you know, and then graduation down at Truist Field, right? We started to doing more things in person. But during the, the whole time I've been here, pretty much since day one, I've been focusing on culture. How do we build a sustainable and warm and accountable culture? So you probably don't get this reference, but because it shows how old I am, but there's a band in the 80s called The Culture Club. There's a guy called Boy George. There's a song, Come On Chameleon. But so when I started here, I started what we call a culture club, right? It's completely voluntary. People can join. And then we talk about what do we want to build here? What sort of workplace do we want it to be? Because you have, you have happy teachers, you have happy kids, happy parents. And so we met about 15 of us every month for like 18 months or something. We, we developed these things. We started this, we did this activity with everyone. What qualities do you like in the people that you work with? And so then we created this, what's our called our cultural attributes and we use them as we're hiring people or to attract people, right? So we send it out and say, hey, we want this to be a great place to work. Here is the sort of qualities we're looking for people and that's there's a whole range of them like accountable, fun, honest, respectful, whatever. There's, a, there's about 12 of them and we define what they are. Dr. Hunt was a, like instrumental in, in helping put that together as well as many other people. And so that, as I think, we stayed together as a team for the last two years, right? We have the people, I think, through this, you know, really tumultuous time, felt respected, felt cared for. And so that then I think flowed onto the kids and the kids felt respected and cared for. Whereas I know other schools nearly tore apart at the seams because of all the pressure and and things. And they, and, you know, even at the height of the pandemic where we were struggling to find people to cover classes, we had people volunteering their time to cover and, you know, they were working these massive days. So I think they're too that they're really proud of it. Then there's just sort of like practical stuff that no one sees. So our Wi-Fi network was terrible, right? Your senior year. So last year we completely revamped it, right? We, we tore it out and built and put in a like a brand new state-of-the-art one. The photocopiers were nearing the end of their lease cycle. We've just installed new ones to make life easier for the teachers and to be able to print and that type of thing. We've repainted the building all inside so it looks better. We've redone the playgrounds here, both playgrounds and redoing the courtyard as well. We've been lucky enough to attract some incredible new teachers and, and administrators. And so I think that's something else we're really proud of as well is that you're going to have turnover. It's just the, what happens, especially in this time, like people like, man, I've been away for family for two years. I'm going to move closer to them or I don't want to like, I don't, don't like working full time. I'm going to go part time. And so then you have to hire new people and the quality of people that we're attracting is awesome as well. So there are a few things that, that I'm really proud of and I don't spend that much time thinking about them. I sort of tend to think of the things that we need to get better at and improve and it's not easy. So it's actually, it was quite cathartic you asking that question because it's probably one of the first times I've listed all of them out loud, right? Is And that's a lot. That's, that's some pretty good accomplishments you guys got because you guys got us back in school so quickly after the yeah. pandemic. I mean, we were back in school right for our senior year. I mean, beginning of our senior year. Yeah. I mean, definitely it was different. We were all separated, but you guys did a great job of it. So, And one of the, th I think the second part of your question was around sort of things, areas of growth. Honestly, I think the biggest one is that, people embracing 
that we're, it's an awesome school. It seems silly to say, but there's sort of this culture, which I mentioned before, of sort of apologizing for what we don't have rather than just really celebrating what we have. And there's a, a number of people who do that here who were like, this is amazing, right? But I think that that is something that I'm still trying to turn around is that, yeah, we mightn't have a big football stadium, but I was on the Afar trip last week to Belize, right? And it was one of the greatest experiences I've had in my life and my career. It was just amazing. We have all these incredible things that happen, whether that you're in the toddler's program, the eagle's program, middle school, lower school, we have all these incredible things that are happening. And so, and just embracing that, like what we do really well. So that's something that I'm still trying to crack because I think there, even before Dr. Balcom's time, there was like 10 years before that, they talked about growth. So it was sort of this thing of like, we will only be good when we grow, right? And that's sort of the equivalent of you and me saying, like, I'm at 5'11", I'll only be good when I'm six foot tall, right? Like, I just have to accept that I'm not six foot tall and there's certain things I can do. So that's where I think there's so many great things about this school. One of the cool things about interviewing here is, you know, I had options about where I could work and everything. And I chose here because of it's so amazing to send my kids here, let alone work here. And so I think that that's one thing that we need to sort of really work on. And then it's also like, how do we get our story out there? And and I think that we're going to get increasingly better at doing that, like the podcast. That's why one of the reasons we do that, but just how do we get our story out there? How do we sort of get, you know, your testimonials, which were beautiful and you shared about what you love about the school and the impact it does. And so how do we get that out there and how do we find other Aaron's? How do we find other Coopers, right? And that people who want this and will really thrive in this experience. So that's something that we need to do well as well. But there's also like a ton of other practical things that we could do better, right? I think that there is no area of the school that we have perfected, right? So whatever that may be, there's always areas that we can get better. So I hope that answers the question. Oh, no, of course. And the last thing I was going to touch on, just kind of bounce off what you said, you know, it seems like you're thinking from this mindset. What I'll say is it's very important to accept the things that we are, and not just accept, celebrate the things that we have that we do really well with while still having that mindset of we can always get better. Those two things aren't polar opposites and they can't not go together. I think that they should go together because in the time that they do go together, I mean, then it's like, okay, well, then right now we have all these things that we've talked about, a lot of things that we haven't talked about that we are already great at. Let's be happy about that. And as time goes on, then when we put out this new edition, you know, hypothetically say like, you know, like it, it, maybe it is a football stadium, maybe it is a new basketball gym or well, gym for lots of sports, but you get the, like, you get the point. It's like, oh, then these things can be celebrated too. But that doesn't mean like, well, we should just sit here and dwell on how things are right now. It's like, no, like there's thousands of square feet of building. Like, why would you dwell on what you have? Like we're here to, so our vision talks about creating well-rounded, compassionate leaders to succeed on the global stage. So frankly, like the proof is in the pudding, right? Speaking to you two, are you 20 yet? How old are you? 19. 19. Yeah. Turn 20 in October. It's mind blowing that you're as wise and thoughtful and sort of able to conduct this sort of conversation at that age, right? And you, Somebody's got to. <laughs> but you are alums of our school, right? You are living proof of how great this place is. And so, you know, we talk about creating well-rounded, clearly you're well-rounded, compassionate, clearly compassionate um, leaders. That's happening now with you doing this and also in the future to succeed on the global stage. Like you, that is what we are here to do. And clearly the recipe is right because it's producing people 
such as the two of you and many, many of other your peers of 21 or 22, I've got to really like, to meet our, our sort of alums. They're extraordinary young people and not just because they've come from fantastic families and very supportive families, but that combination of the love and support they received at home and the love and support they received at school has sort of set them up to be these extraordinary young people. And so that's where I'm I'm really sort of going, hey, like we have, we've struck gold here. Like our, we are here to produce amazing young humans and we are doing that. So let's double down and keep doing that well as well as trying to get better. This is going to be an interesting one. So subject matter within the classroom. You uh, started a class really recently, that business class that took class last year with some Shark Tank elements. Me, basically, like, I'm not even a huge business guy, but I love the show Shark Tank. And who knows, maybe one day I'll start something, get something cooking, but who knows. But entrepreneurship being a subject is a really cool idea. And I think it's, obviously, it's very rare. It's something, and, you know, you're adding a little bit of your personal flavor to the classroom, which is really cool. Do you have, in your opinion, because obviously the most easy answer is, no, you know, everything's important. But do you have, like, in your opinion, what subjects, it can be outside the box, that best prepare students for the real world in general? And do you have any subjects that also you feel like just aren't necessarily as important on that scale? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a tricky question because you don't want to offend people. You sent this to me in advance. Offend and, everybody. Yeah, offend everyone. All the science teachers. <laughs> None of them are I'm valuable. kidding. I love science. Yeah. Not really, but um, it's so cool. I think there's there's the subject matter and then there's the, the ability to be able to learn and retain information. But then there's also the, the most important thing is the transference of that information. How can you use that to change your life or make the world better or like just to be wiser. So I think that, you know, for me personally, right, like there are certain subjects which I'm attracted to and there's others that I would rather not have anything to do with, right? And so I think what's real, instead of sort of like rank ordering them, I could probably rank order them for me in terms of like the, what most important, least important. So what's the outcome we get from learning, right? What's the outcome of this? So I think that we want to have create young people who can thrive in college and beyond, right? So there's no good just you getting people into college. You want them to graduate and then you want them to lead a successful life, whatever that means for them, right? If that is uh, starting a nonprofit and doing something incredibly meaningful like saving elephants or is that is doing something different, so be it, right? And so I think that for me that the subject itself is less important. It's right, how do you... Like we're all going to have to endure things as part of our lives, right? There's certain things I need to do in my job, which I would rather not do, right? And that don't sort of appeal to me as much as others. And so, and so that's never going away. And so I think there's two things. There's first one is how do you find that subject that really makes you want to th- like make get you in flow and that you just want to do it and you just you never want to stop and you want to keep growing and getting better and this and that and that's why I think having a variation or a variety is so good right for some people that might, might be athletics like it pushes them to the max they they bring out the best in themselves for other people it's physics right it really pushes them it brings the best out in them for other people it's art for other people it's music for other people it's like whatever you could name them all and so that's where i think the variety comes in but then it's also that's why i think it's really important so for me you know if when i was at school 
odd because I've got super into sort of personal finance and, and numbers and things. But at school, math would, would have been the bottom of the list for me, right? But it also taught me like how to endure and be successful. Like I didn't like it, but I, I sort of got through it. And so I realized I can do hard things, right? So I taught you a different lesson. Yeah. Rather, I mean, taught you math, of course, but a, yeah. you know, a life lesson almost yeah. kind of. Huh? Well said. And so then, but whereas athletics was what, where I realized that I can like do cool things and I can sort of push my boundaries and I can sort of reach a level of success I didn't know was possible, right? Whereas for other people, that's them enduring that. And so that's where I think that it's, you learn these things because you need to know a certain element of them and they're really helpful and they build on each other. But it's also like, what are the, the, the sort of the macro lessons that you're getting from it, right? How is this helping you inform as you as a person and making you better, right? So even they talk about setting goals. It's not so much the, the attainment of the goal. So let's just say we wanted to run a marathon together. Then it's not so much it's the winning the marathon, it's the process that goes into it. So I know I didn't quite answer your question in terms of which is more valuable or not. But I think that it really depends on the person. No doubt. So on here, we had a quick question about um, the podcast for Davidson Day, but you also, you already touched on it a little bit. So I guess just to gain some clarity, I guess, do you continue to use like the podcast just as a tool to kind of just show the vibrant colors of Davidson Day and everything it has to offer? And like, do you have new place you're planning on taking or do you want to just continue to keep, I guess, just showing our way in the way that you continue to brand things. I'm going to step back a little bit and just sort of tell you how this came about. So it's probably 2005, 2006 when podcasts first started. I started listening to them and I love these long form interviews and conversations. I just love them and I've learned so much and have all these insights. And then I thought, wow, if one day I'm ahead of school, I'd love to do that. And because... Dream come true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's You're my dream come true, which is... This is awesome. Like You know, it is. And the... So... I wanted to make, so often I have to come to a school or read a website and everything in which, and I wanted to make things available that's sort of independent of time and space, meaning that someone might be listening to this, doing the washing up in the car, going for a run. You know, you, it's, you can be doing it anywhere, right? And sort of um, Tony Robbins calls it net time, no extra time, right? Like you can learn this stuff when you don't have to sort of carve out time to do it, right? Like, cause you're just doing other things. And so then I was at my previous school, Lake Forest Country Day, and, and I've worked in independent schools this year for 20 years. And the amount of interesting people I've met, right? We could have had this conversation without recording anything, right? And what is like, how sad would that have been? Like, so I was having all these conversations with people and they were just in such an interesting, whether they be students or teachers or or parents. And I was like, man, how cool we'd learn to record it. So I've been listening to it for ages. Then my last school two years ago, I was an assistant head and we experimented with one of my friends, two of my friends, David and Greg, and we sort of got it sorted and we released it and it was really successful. And then because of COVID, it was even more amplified, right? How do we get stories out? And so that's why we started to do it. But it's also, I love people's stories. I love listening to people. It's funny being doing this one and talking so much, but is I genuinely love it like more than I'm so passionate about it, right? Not to compare things, but so when I meet someone and this traces back, I moved to England when I was 18. Uh, someone recommended the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. And it said, if you want to make friends, the best thing you need to do is ask them questions about themselves. Right. 
And I thought, oh, okay, I'll try that. So I started going out, as you do, and drinking age there is 18. So I was at 18. I was going out to pubs and stuff. And I meet someone like, are you from here? Like, what brought you here? Blah, blah, blah. And what things you like to do in your free time? And I wouldn't say anything. And they would just talk all night. And that person was like, hey, we should get together again. I was like, oh, man, this works, right? And then I went then I went to college, the same thing, right? Met all these people, tell me about yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then, but the, the thing that was the byproduct of that was that I just learned so much. So that's why I wanted to do it because we have extraordinary people at Davidson Day, whether it's the two of you or the teachers or the parents or whomever, right? The administrators, grandparents, doesn't matter. And so I just wanted to be able to share that. But it's also like this, you two are a representation of our school and a great representation of our school. And so what an amazing way to share that, right? Is that, you know, people hope, my hope is that they'll, they'll listen to this and go, man, what incredible young men. And the world needs incredible young men. I'm going to send my, well, young people, no, you know, young people. So I want to send my kid to a school where they're going to turn into amazing young people. So, but it's also like we get to interview all these different people. So that's how it came about. But it's the, I love people's stories, independent of time and space and a way for people to connect with the school. Love it. That's why we actually started our senior year of high school. I mean, it was, we couldn't stop talking. Yeah. And that's I why mean, we like, started it. We couldn't stop well, talking. Well, like my original idea, I was, I'd talked to a lot of people and had a lot of really cool conversations. Well, thanks so much for reaching out and asking me to do this. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for talking to us. This was uh, really cool. There's really not much more to say. It's just a really awesome experience that you get, you get to come back to your high school and sit down and talk about big picture and near future stuff with your past high school principal. That's uh, pretty rare. So we appreciate that opportunity. It's so much fun. Yeah, appreciate it, sure, Thanks, sure. thanks Thank Aaron. You. Of course. Well, thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Davidson Day School Community Podcast, which is hosted by Pete Moore, head of school at Davidson Day. The podcast is recorded on campus in the heart of the Lake Norman area. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear them. Email your thoughts to podcasts at davidsonday.org. That's podcasts at davidsonday.org.